Hello, bookworms. Welcome to The Best Book Ever, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and today I'm going to shock all of you by talking to a horror author, the scarily fantastic Monica Bonney, who had compassion for my poor nerves and did not choose a horror book. Instead, she joins me today to talk about why Fight Club by Chuck Palahniuk is the best book ever. Hi, Mona. Welcome to the Best Book Ever podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. Let's start with what you do, because I think it's very unique. Will you tell my listeners all about what morality and horror is? Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm a psychological horror writer. Um, I've published two books so far, uh, Vanilla and The Bell Chime. They're available on Amazon. And Essentially, I take like the horror genre, but I do a much more psychological lead into it and kind of take morals that like people have to go through day to day in their life or experience and like turn them on their head a bit and make them more horrific. I find like the horror genre to be like gothically romantic and I like to play around with that a lot. Um, so that's that's my my goal. And morality and horror is just like expressing how. I think moral or sorry, I think horror um, can have a moral depth to it that makes it last longer. Like the fears and anxieties that you would get from a horror movie last longer than just the uh, length of the medium that you're expressing on. So like whether it's movie or in book form, it's not just like turning the page and like seeing these horrific scenes play out, but it's also like thinking about what that underlying moral was throughout the, the work. Um, that kind of would haunt you in your daily life too. So I think the word moral is tripping me up. Does that mean that all of the people who you write about are making bad moral choices? It's, it's more about like the duality between like the, the different sides of like a moral choice and like how, you know, sometimes, you know, something's wrong, but you still do it because you're human. And it's like showing that and how that's like a very natural thing people experience and do. And it's, you know, for the most part, in a lot of books and stuff, it's like the, the bad guy's bad because they're obviously doing bad things. And the good people are good because they're trying to stop them and for like the greater good. But like from a human aspect, it's really it's it's a lot more gray than that. And I think it's like showing that making those decisions and like throughout the books I try to like make my characters teeter-totter between like what's the right choice and what's the wrong choice and it's like okay to stray off the good path sometimes and that's like human so yeah. So you also run a website and Instagram um, Mm -hmm. that is really focused on horror books and reading horror books. What got you so fascinated with horror novels? Um, well, it started with a fascination with the horror genre in general. Um, when I was a kid, the story that I tell everyone is when I was a kid, um, I was hor- I was scared of everything. Um, like even being in a dark room by myself freaked me out. Um, the mention of like Bloody Mary and like that whole kid story like kept me up. I had to like sleep with my parents for weeks. Like I, I could not stand. Um, and so I kind of wanted to like extinguish that fear from myself because... I remember like all the kids in my school used to watch horror movies together and I could never join because it would just freak me out so much. Um, So I wanted to slowly extinguish that for myself. And I just 
you know, one day woke up and I, I wasn't as afraid of horror anymore. And I kind of became obsessed with it. This fact that like something that was so debilitating to me before could suddenly become a joy. Um, like I didn't like stay, you know, I could sleep with like the lights off and so it was, you know, you're a kid. So I could sleep with the lights off and not be um, terrified. And so I got very into horror in that sense. And then I would watch horror movies, all that good stuff and realized uh, I liked reading. I don't know. The first book I remember reading and really enjoying was um, Anne Rice, Interview with a Vampire. Um, and she's not like so, like I've read now throughout my horror career, some very splatterpunk, like crazy horror. So she was more like of a gothic romantic interlude into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I picked it up that and then through Anne Rice, which kind of became a gateway drug, <laughs> I started picking up horror books and, and all that. And now doing like my book reviews on Instagram, I get I got into like the indie horror scene, which is an amazing level that cannot be experienced through traditional publishing. It's amazing um, that you just like are ex- uh, exposed to so many different horror genres. And then you realize that like it's a horror is just an umbrella for so much more beneath it. What are indies doing that traditional publishers aren't doing? I mean, traditional publishers are looking for things that can be mass marketed, right? So you want like a clear storyline, clear characters, nothing too like trippy or even like the formatting of the book in and of itself. Like my first book, Bellchime, which is like a huge hit um, with a lot of people would have never been traditionally published because the structure I wrote it in isn't linear. It's like you start from the end and then you go to the beginning and then I take you to the middle and then, but it all clicks together in the end. And traditional publishers are really looking for things that fit a formula. Whereas if you're indie, you get free reign to really do absolutely whatever you want. Um, And I think from that, you get some of the the greatest creative works that a person could possibly, because they, you know, you have no limits at that point. And so Um, If you want to go extreme weird horror that's, you know, grotesque, but tasteful, you know, and there's an audience for that, you can do that. You have free reign. So therefore, you're going to create some of the best content. So it's not only that it can be bloodier and slashier. It is also that the the actual creativity of it is really different. I see you what you're saying. You can be like weird with the timelines. You can be very experimental. I think experimental mm-hmm. would be like the key word in this whole thing is that when you're indie, you can be extremely experimental with your work. So this year, one of my favorite books is called Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam. And I don't think it, I'm sure it's not marketed as a horror book. I was so terrified as I read it that I almost couldn't breathe. And nothing happens in this book. Something is about to happen, and the entire thing is this tightening dread. And I was texting a really good friend of mine, Mark, who is a horror writer, and I said, "This th- I cannot handle. Ho- I think this is horror. And he said to me something really interesting. He said, um, slasher movies have destroyed our understanding of horror because um, a lot of people think that, you know, body parts have to be chopped off. For it to be horror when something psychological like this can be absolutely terrifying. So given that, how do you define horror? What makes a book or a movie a horror story to you? 
Yeah, definitely. I, I was actually going to say when you said you don't do horror, I was going to be like, I totally get that. But the umbrella is so huge that there is something for you. And mm-hmm. like there is something for someone in the genre, regardless. You, you don't have to like monsters and scary stuff for it to be horror. I think for me, horror is anything that kind of gets your heart racing, um, that like freaks you out, that makes those words conjure on your lips, like terrifying. And I was, you know, scared. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, I think that this clown's going to burst in through my apartment door and suddenly try to kill me. It can, you know, be something that's more paranoia, I think is a very big horror, um, element. It's, it's really anything that gets you thinking, but also scared, um, of like your survival and, you know, how you exist and, and all your flight and flight instincts. So is, is there anything that you won't read in horror? Is there anything that is too much for you or, or too far? I will try anything. Um, I'm not a fan of horror with a sexual connotation, unless it's justified for the purpose of the story. Like I've read um, body art by Christopher Chyena does it, but he does it in like a tasteful way where it's kind of like, a commentary on like the porn industry and porn stars as well. And he does horror through like around that genre. Okay. Uh, but if you're going to give me like a nice family home and then like just throw a rape scene in it, that's like horrifying for no reason besides shock value. Like I will not finish like I'll DNF on site. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's probably my only thing. Otherwise I really do. I do enjoy like every single variety and field and I've read like horror poetry before and stuff like that too you know it's there's there's a a thing Mm -hmm. I mean it's like there's like gothic poetry and horror poetry yeah why are horror writers always the nicest people where does this darkness come from yes this is my favorite question I think it's because everyone exists with a little bit of darkness and I think horror writers have allowed ourselves to have an avenue to expel that and like have that cathartic release. And because of that, like if I can write about like a situation that happened to me that I just like want to rewrite and fix and then like go back to that situation after and be like, "Ah, but in my mind, I've already resolved this and I'm like happy and good and all that. Um, That like, it just makes you, it gives you that release of all those negative emotions and you put them into something else and you make them into something creative and beautiful and cool that makes people want to read. Um, and then you're left like satisfied just, you know, with the emotions that are left and that you got to expel that negativity. And yeah, yeah, I'm like super, extremely nice. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, you've got such a positive demeanor, you know, even Mm. in your social media, you come across as, as, um, you know, you do your dress up and everything, but it's always a very, it's not terrifying. No. And the, the, the point for me isn't to like, I'm not trying to hurt you mentally in any way. It's more so like, you know, I'm not like, wow, I'm really here to scare these people into like emotional trauma. I hope that they didn't want to function properly for the rest of their life. No, it's like, it's more so I just want to like show you a different alternate universe where things are like a little darker and like very respectfully take you by the hand and guide you through that to like whatever your emotional capacity for it is. 
Hi, friends. Just a quick break to remind you that even though we are melting through a blazing hot summer here in California and the thought of the winter holidays seems like a fever dream, I am nonetheless hard at work on my second annual kids gift giving episode where I interview a bunch of young people about their favorite book. It was my favorite episode to record last year because kids are my favorite people, and you all very clearly agreed. It's still far and away my most popular episode. If you knew a young person ages 5 to 20 who would like to tell me about a book, I would love to talk to them. Go to my website, juliewroteabook.com, and click on the button that says, Be a Guest on the Second Annual Kids YA Gift-Giving Guide. I can't wait to hear from you. Now, back to the show. I was so, when we first started talking about you appearing on this podcast, I was trying to steal myself for a, <laughs> for a horror novel. And instead you chose something different. You chose Fight Club. So I call it horror because <laughs> it horrified me. Yeah. But I, I don't think most people classify it as horror. Do you? It's more psychological thriller. Um, mm. I think you could make the stretch and claim it under horror, although... It, there's nothing that really like leaves you kind of being scared more so kind of like what the fuck just happened. And in that sense, yeah. it makes it more psychological thriller than it does scary. Um, it would be a reach, but no, I, I, <laughs> it's still, I don't know. Things that like mess with your mind are still such fun for me. And yeah. But I, I would say the end of the book is very, the epilogue is very horrifying and it, not the same end as the movie. Like, that's what I love about the book is that he like did something that just extended beyond him. And that's scary in and of itself too, is like yes. you had an action and you regretted that action afterward. And, but it's, it's beyond you. It's evolved into something like this brainchild that you had has evolved out of your control. And it's like, as if you never were even one to create it because you can't do anything about it anymore. It's crazy. Do you remember how you first came across it? Yeah. I actually watched the movie first, um, with my parents and I, I remember loving it and I would show it to like if if ever anyone was like oh I haven't seen Fight Club I'd be like what you have to see Fight Club and then I would make them watch it um and so then I realized it was a book sillily enough um and I read it in like one sitting I, I like both versions um I still love the movie but the book has like a different taste to it that's amazing too how can you summarize this book for my listeners who maybe haven't come across it yeah. So if I were to give this book to someone and explain to them real quick what it's about, I would say it's about a man who suffers from insomnia, who has to exist in corporate America, but doesn't necessarily enjoy or agree with his like nine to five job and the decisions that come with it. And he kind of just slowly loses it along the way. Um, but he makes a friend that makes him like more stable. Uh and it's about their journey into, I guess, like everyday drone, mundane life that we all have to go through. Okay, we could have a four-hour conversation on your statement that this friend makes him more stable. That is a fascinating <laughs> statement you just said. In the beginning, but yeah, I would, I would say so in a sense, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So tell me, what do you like about it? Why do you, why is this your choice for best book ever? 
I love stories that have twist endings to begin with. So from like a purely I was entertained standpoint, like I, I was and I loved that ending. But I think, I don't know, I work a nine to five job too. And I have like uh, sleep terrors. So I like understand like kind of like sleep issues and things like that. So like I related to the character on a personal level too. Um, I mean, not to the extreme, but you know what I'm saying? Just more so in the, the sleep yeah. uh, type. Um, and I, I don't know, it's just cool. It's It's cool to see someone take a character that most people can identify with and give them this like morally ambiguous journey, which is, you know, my thing. Have you reread it frequently? I haven't reread it for like two years. No, maybe like a year and a half now. So it's been a bit. So I don't necessarily, I remember the general like structure of the book. um, And I remember that it was like first person present tense, which always gives you such an eerie feeling when reading it. Um, Mm -hmm. But no, this time around, I listened to the audio book, which was only like an hour. So for anyone that hasn't, you know oh really into the audio yeah they do like an entire it's like a production more than it is a reading so it's very interesting but it'll give you like the goods of what it's about so this was my first time reading it although I had seen the movie and I knew the twist but I'll tell you what I had completely blocked out the entire soap thing (laughs) oh yeah but I will say reading it Knowing the twist at the end was a fascinating experience because, God, it's well done. No, and I think that's the beauty of things like this is you really, when there's a twist such as that, it really makes you want to go back and reread it. And I do suggest um, doing so for any type of story that has that type of twist ending because you go back and you see details that you didn't necessarily notice before or things where you were like, I thought this was weird, but I wasn't sure why. And now I see it and it just like clicks all the more. Um, it, that's, that's a really fun part. You basically get two books in one at that point. It's, <laughs> and especially because you're reading them from different perspectives. It makes it exciting. This is an odd question, but do you like any of the characters in this book? Um, I actually think I like Marla. I don't, I don't know if it's... Um, affected because of the movie I don't know if I had read the book first if I would feel that way but just yeah. like her behavior in the movie was always very like tragically romantic and just like her style and all of that I I really appreciated and I mean she's extreme um but there's something about her like it's not even naive but her like romanticism on life but also hating life that's kind of I mean, to say that that's relatable <laughs> is a statement, but you know, there's like a emotional um, sense of relatability, even if it's not so severe that you have. And I just, I, I do like tragically romantic characters. So I enjoyed her. I have never actually asked that question before because I actually think it's a very dull question mm-hmm. um, and, and sort of meaningless, you know, uh, I don't know that we're supposed to ever like fictional characters, but I couldn't get the question out of my head as I was reading it because I kept examining, why am I so attracted to these people? Yeah. Objectively pretty horrible people. Yeah. And yet the, the, the pull to them is, is pretty intense. And I, I was trying to figure out, 
Is it because I've seen the movie and I like all three of those actors very much? I think it is that level of relatability is like you kind of see yourself in a sentence that they say maybe or like a behavior that they do, especially with like work and stuff like that. Um, I think that level of like human relation makes you attracted to them. And it's kind of like taking emotions that you might feel internally and watching them be showcased for you to read about. And I think that there's Mm -hmm. something very pulling about that, that would make you, even though exactly they're objectively not great people, um, Mm -hmm. you still have that spot for them because you can, in a sense, understand and almost empathize with what they're going through. What do you think this book's about? What do you think he's trying to say? I think the first half of the book would be about how people, when they fit their lives or try to fit their lives into perfection or society's view of perfection, and it might not be something that they internally 100% agree with, it it's like, and especially when you live in a society that like demands that, like it demands that you have your Ikea furniture and that you live in a nice apartment and that you have a nine to five job, um, that there'll be a breaking point. And at that breaking point, you'll like fight back and therefore that's righteous. But then it turns over and also says that like, you know, sometimes acting out on impulses or not like living your true self for yourself can be more destructive than it can good. And you like might not be happy with the results of your actions in the end. Um, And I think, I think it's just like, it's like showing like how the structure of like day-to-day mundane life can be like very ruinous if you're not like taking into account like your mental health and like things that you need um, instead of just worrying about what society expects from you. The reason I asked that question is as I was researching in preparation for this conversation, the afterlife of this book is stunning. Like there are so many think pieces about why it's a feminist book, why it's an anti-feminist book, why it's a capitalist book, why it's an anti-capitalist book. Mm -hmm. Evidently, the incels have adopted it as their manifesto, Mm -hmm. their anti-woman manifesto. Like. It's got this bizarre afterlife that everyone seems to be able to fit into their personal philosophy, which I I think that's almost as interesting as the book is. Yeah. I think like for me, if we're doing antis, I would just say it's anti-establishment in the sense Mm. that like the sort of like labeling and making sure everything is perfect and all that, it's Mm. like futile in the end or um, like, yeah, ruinous and, and just like, not, not so great for your mental health. And and it's like, you know, damn the establishment and like live your authentic self and, and be happy with your decisions and, and do your decisions with intent. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, a very gray ground to the clear, like spec, the, um, ends of the spectrum that you're bringing up, whether it's like anti-feminist or it is feminist. Um, I just think it's, down with the labels and and the establishment in general. Well, what did you think of the movie? Now, after you read the book, Mm -hmm. did it change your perception of the movie? I don't think so much, no. Um, Because it does follow about the same line, except for the ending, Mm -hmm. like you said. Um, Mm -hmm. And the movie does do a pretty good job otherwise of staying true to it. So 
And I'd seen them both so many times. And once you know that twist ending and have reconsumed it a second time, I, I, I guess besides just being in different stages of my life, like I first read and watched the movie before having a job and now I have a job and that changed my view of it solely oh, just yeah. because of my stage of life. But in terms of like the, the median I consumed it on, no. I think I would say above the consumerism, I would say it's a commentary on fragile masculinity and this need to physically hurt in, because that's the only feeling they're sort of societally allowed to feel is violence. You know, what's funny is when I was listening to the audiobook, and I had never paid much attention to this before, but I realized that in the fight club, it was only ever men and Marla is the only woman. And I was like, damn, I, I would join a fight club. Maybe like <laughs> I could totally, would you really? I don't know. Maybe we'll see like how bad I'm feeling for the week. But I, I don't know. I'd probably try it. Honestly, why not? I think mm-hmm. it's a little ridiculous to think that woman wouldn't want to seek out that kind of violence too. Like we have frustrations as well. And that's like an output. Um, I think this whole book does just like extreme showcases to make commentary yes. on that. Yeah. Um, but I like it that it's not necessarily saying, you know, this is how you should feel about it. It's more so like, here's an in-your-face portrayal of this. And yeah. like, hey, how do you feel about it? I, I, I think we have different interpretations of the book itself. Um, because I saw it as very gendered. I think it was very intentional that it was only men fighting. And the fat for the soap came from women. Women mm-hmm. were very much products. Mm-hmm. you know a, a part of the production system for him and I thought that was I, I thought it was intentional on on yeah. his part no I guess I just never really thought about it so with you saying that it, it it definitely would be intentional I'd be curious whether or not it's intentional to make a statement that it's yeah. like it's just how it is and you know the incels are right or if it's more so to be like you know, this is how society perceives that we should behave and you should be upset and therefore realize that women would join a fight club and men could have soap made out of them too. So tell me, Mona, what are you reading these days? Um, I just, what did I just finish? I just finished a YA actually. That's another thing that I read. Um, I read young adult and I finished, um, Lee Bardugo has a series of books that is currently being turned into a TV show. Mm. Um, so I didn't watch the TV show. I probably won't, but it made me want to read her work. And she has like dark YA. It's like kind mm-hmm. of dark and grungy. So I really like that. It's not just like, you know, there's a prince and a prince and, you know, stuff like that. So, um, <laughs> And then I recently also finished a, um, and this is another thing about indie um, publishing is I just finished a short horror story called things have gotten worse since we last met sit by, sorry, I'm looking at my Goodreads um, by Eric LaRocca. And that was fantastic. It was a hundred pages um, and it was all via internet. So it was two characters, these two women who have a re- like garner a relationship over the internet it starts with emails and then it goes into instant messaging but it was like reading someone's private diary on their computer 
and it was amazing. Um, and is then it right, now, it is horror. It's it's very weird and emotionally traumatic horror. So if that's like not something that necessarily might tickle your pickle, I you know wouldn't suggest it. But um, it, if you are interested in kind of like seeing how far your taste for strange horror can go, I, I would absolutely say. And there's nothing like extremely violent in it. It's just so psychologically abrasive. It's it was it was amazing. I'm probably gonna read it again very soon. It mm. was a very good book. And it's only a hundred pages. Like I love that like quick dose of adrenaline that something can mm-hmm. give And then right now I'm reading The Living Dead uh, by George A. Romero. He actually, I think, was the one that directed Creepshow. And that's something I learned um, because I watched Creepshow for the first time. I don't know if you know Creepshow, but it was Stephen King. Of course not. Yeah. Stephen King, it was in the 80s. Stephen King um, wrote a screenplay that basically had like five short horror stories. And you like watch them like a movie. Um, but anyways, so yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it's the director who wrote this book. It's about like a zombie apocalypse happening, but it has um, a very like racial um, experience, POC experience connotation. Like there's different characters and, and, and the diversity and like what it's like to not only exist in American life or in life in general as like a person of color, also to be doing it through a zombie apocalypse. This one is like, if you're like into The Walking Dead, it's, it's you know, zombies are scary, but they're not like jump scare scary, I would suggest it. The writing's been great so far. It's a thick book, though. I think it's like 700 pages or something, but the writing's good, so I'm in for the ride and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Will you please tell my listeners where they can find you and your work? Yes. So my Instagram, which is uh, probably, which is my most popular platform, is at Morality and Horror. Um, that's where I do my reviews, just like personal content, writing updates. Um, if you ever have a question about me or my work, yeah, my DMS are open, um, with respect, obviously, please. (laughs) But yeah, I'm very communicative and I, I love like conversing and talking with connecting with people through there. So morality and horror, if you want to like get in touch with me, main page. Um, I also have, uh, moralityandhorror.com that just has like my books um, and a little bit about me and the mission of the whole, like what morality and horror is. And then um, on Amazon is where you can type in the bell chime or vanilla by Mona Cavani. And that's where you can purchase my work. Fantastic. Mona, it has been a delight talking to you. I'm so thrilled you joined me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. Thanks for listening, bookworms. For more information on this episode and links to all the books we discussed, please go to our website, bestbookeverpodcast.com. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at bestbookeverpodcast. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and you can find me everywhere as Julie wrote a book. Remember, whenever you're book shopping, help support indie bookstores and this podcast by using my affiliate link at bookshop.org slash shop slash best book ever. Bookshop's mission is to support local independent bookstores. And if you shop using my link, I get a small percentage of your purchase at no extra expense to you. Thanks for joining me today, and I will see you at the library. So you would join a fight club? Probably would, honestly. I'm being honest with you.
I don't know. I think I probably, I would not attend every meeting, Um, (laughs) but but I feel like it would almost be like cathartic. No, that's just me. Yeah, that's just me. 